we've been doing a series on the feet of Jesus. And today is the last one in this series. And um, it comes to me to kind of finish it off. And I have... <clears throat> I actually changed the subject I was going to speak on. I was going to speak about how Jesus walked and uh, took a journey to see Lazarus. And she's found in John chapter 11. I've changed my message this morning because actually I think there's a, um, there's a different passage that God wants to look at. We have shared with some of the church that next year's vision is all about the cross. And so what I wanted to do was pick up the journey that Jesus took actually to the cross. And uh, I just uh, um, would refer you to, it's in, it's in all four Gospels. And we know the journey he took. Um, it was probably about 600 yards it's been named the Via Della Rosa, and uh, you can, if you go to Jerusalem, which you guys were going to do, you could walk up that path 600, mile, 600 yards, and Jesus would have carried his cross from, uh, I think it was the Antonio Fortress, up to Golgotha, 600 yards. They reckon that a cross, uh, solid wood, would have weighed about 300 pounds, but it's believed that Jesus would have just taken the crossbeam, which would have been about 70 pounds. If you know the story, Jesus carried it but stumbled, and then they chose a man called Simon from Cyrene, and he literally picked that up, and he carried it for Christ. The belief is that Christ was not strong enough. He had just been flogged, um, and that was uh, with 39 lashes of a leather whip, which would have had stones, not um, kind of bits of stone and metal and all kinds of things in the leather thongs. And that would have just basically ripped his back apart. So to put that on his back, he was not able to carry it. So Simon from Cyrene was asked to carry it. And what we see in Jesus, in a sense, he asks us to do. And this is where it gets really challenging. And we're going to look at verses that you've all heard before. But I want us to think exactly what it means for us today as the people of God. It's very easy to read the Bible, isn't it? And especially if we've been, on, been a Christian for a long time, it all gets very familiar. But the words of Jesus, which I want to look at, I think are found, if I can find it on here, are found, if I have the next slide, please, Maggie, are found in, there we go. That's, that's just a bit from the Gospel of Matthew talks about how Jesus carried the cross up to Golgotha, the place of the skull. Let's have the next one, please, Maggie. I've called this the way of the cross. And uh, the passage we're going to look at is, is found in Matthew, and I think it's found in Mark as well. It says, when Jesus said to, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And the bit I want to focus on is the whole thing about Jesus saying, you need to deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow me. And as we think about that, that's exactly what Jesus did. He denied himself and he took up his cross. Jesus was never would never ask people 
to do what he wasn't willing to do himself. So we're going to explore this passage, what it means to us today. Um, I think we need to be prepared that this could be very challenging. Because I think today in our 21st century Western world, we are all very comfortable. And we're very affluent. I did uh, a thing, uh, there's a thing, there's a website, just you can look up where you are in terms of your wealth in our world. How many people are in front of you and how many people are behind you as far as wealth? And I looked up, you have to put your salary in and you have to put, you know, is that one or two people? Um, And uh, basically, I am, I think there's 96.4% people in our world who earn less than I do. So I'm in like the top 4% in our world, of what I earn. And we are so comfortable, aren't we? We have so much. And I think, you know, I think that comfort is seen in our churches as well. I love a Luma Day. Just so out there for God. Unashamed to share, unashamed to speak. And yet how many of us would speak up? How many people of us would challenge? Because we're worried about what people think of us. We want to keep up with everyone else. We want to look good. We want to sound good. We want to be popular. We want to have friends. Being a Christian means you don't, doesn't mean you won't have friends, by the way. But it's about looking, isn't it? And it's about appearance and it's about having stuff. And when we look at what Jesus says, it's, it's totally opposite. Absolutely, totally opposite. Because he says, if you're going to come after me, if anyone's going to come after me, it's a great joy doing Alpha. Um, We had the privilege of being in there yesterday. Uh, We had the Holy Spirit Day yesterday, and it was just lovely to share. And one thing that they hadn't done on Alpha, they hadn't shared the illustration of the bridge. Um, And if you know the illustration of the bridge, it's, it's, you know, there's a chasm, there's God on one side, us on the other, and that Jesus is the bridge. And it's the question is, you know, how, where are you when it comes to the bridge? Are you on man's side or have you crossed over to be with God and you know God in your life? And, you know, just encouraging people to, in a sense, to to give their lives to God. Probably what we don't say is that when you give your life to God, there's a bit of a cost. There's a bit of a cost. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. That's not a great message, is it? Maybe if we said that before we talked about the bridge, maybe the room would have emptied. People said, I don't want to do any of that. But actually, what Christ is offering us, because what he says is actually, you know, if we give our lives to him, it's going to be so much better. If we want to try and gain the world, basically we will forfeit our souls. And yet, as Christians, how engaged are we with the world? And how much of the world do we want to have in our lives rather than following Christ? So let's unpack those three phrases. Firstly, about denying ourselves. Uh, Wow, this is going to be... I think if we really get this, this is really challenging stuff, isn't it? Because we want... 
an easy life. Denial is counter-cultural, isn't it? Nobody talks about denial. And yet, if you look at the, the, the greatest athletes, the people who have achieved most, what you see in their life is that actually there's been a point where they have denied themselves. I was watching some, um, uh, something on the news, it just kind of came up, and there was all these women who were rowing like mad, okay? And they, they finished their whatever they did, <clears throat> and they're all there coughing and spluttering and look like they're going to pass out. And I thought to myself, wow. And they're all training to be Olympians. That's the word, isn't it? I thought, I do some rowing. I go to the gym. I don't ever end up in that kind of state. <laughs> you see, I don't have a desire to be an Olympian. But when you want something really badly, you will deny yourself. <coughs> and that's what Jesus is saying. If you really want to follow me, if you are so committed to me... You will make me everything. You will make me a priority. And those other things you will say no to. Because those girls who are rowing, they didn't look like they had a lot of pies between them. Probably didn't eat donuts and all the stuff I quite like. They were dedicated to what they wanted to achieve. And I would say to you as a Christian, how dedicated are you when it comes to your Christian faith? Great message, Banke. He came up here and he talked about the love of God and he talked about reading your Bible and going, you know, church and all that kind of stuff. And if we want to know God, we have to spend time with God. No. We have to put other things aside and say, no, I'm, this is what I'm going to do today. And that's what Jesus is talking about, about denying ourselves so that we can follow him and know him. I would question, is Jesus the focus of our lives. What are we willing to give to know him and make him the center of our lives? Somebody wrote this about Western Christianity. A rampant selfishness is omnipresent in every generation and the church is not immune to me-ism. Clergy and parishioners alike calculate every move to maximise their personal benefit. Today, our bonfires of selfishness are fuelled by the gasoline of affluence. Today's self-centred churchgoers ask the same question of God, coupled with another. What will you do for me today? God is pictured as the dispenser or the withholder of life's prizes, like a television game show host. We conclude that such things as good health, fortune and success are sure indicators of his approval of our lives. Wow. Right between the eyes, isn't it? You see, we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, who did deny himself, who was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and basically said to, Father, said to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. What are the things that God wants us to lay aside so that we might follow him. C.T. Studd, missionary cricketer, said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. So what are we laying aside to follow Christ? What is the things that God wants us 
to lay aside. The second thing is we need to take up our cross. Now, I just imagine Jesus telling his disciples this, and they must have gone, oh my goodness, because they would have seen crucifixions. They would have gone to Jerusalem, and not just Jerusalem, but all over the place, people were crucified. And Jesus would have said to them, basically, to follow me, this is what it's going to cost. Can you imagine how that went down? They probably all sat and looked to the floor and thought, get me out of here. Because this is not what I want. I don't want to end up on a cross, bleeding to death in pain and suffering. But Jesus says, you've got to take up your cross. So what does that look like? A cross is a symbol of what? Of death, surrender, submission, sacrifice, pain. Symbols it symbolizes so many things. And Jesus knew where he was going. He was going to the cross. Probably the time of when he talked about take up your cross was probably nine months before he died. Uh, in a place called Caesarea Philippi, he was talking with his disciples and Peter declared that he was the Messiah and he said, well, that's, that's great. Um, and, uh, and then he's, you know, and then he had to rebuke Peter. But it says that Jesus set his, his heart as flint to go to Jerusalem. He made it his goal to go to the cross. And he was saying to his disciples, basically, you too, you will pick up your cross and follow me. But as we've talked about a vision for next year, we've talked about a number of things about what the cross is. The cross is a place and a symbol of love. You think about the symbol of cross it is a symbol of love even though it's a place of torture it is a symbol of love and as as christians god wants us to pick up our cross and in doing so show love to other people show the love of god and you know what we're trying to do at christmas and easter and and through the various community projects is show the love of god as we pick up our cross are we showing the love of god to others but also the cross was a symbol of sacrifice. Jesus laying down his life for other people. And I wonder how we do that. What do we give up so that others might receive? And there's Darcy. The, sim, the cross is a symbol of glory. Jesus said, now the Son of Man be glorified and God is glorified in him. And that's found in uh, John chapter 13. Jesus talked about the Son of Man being glorified. And that wasn't his resurrection. That was his death on the cross. He said in John 17, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you have given me to do. Jesus died on the cross and glorified God. How strange, how weird that a sacrifice like that would bring glory to God. But it was the power of the cross and what it achieved. As you pick up your cross, as you do what God wants you to do, as you sacrifice your life to God and for others, what does it mean to you and to other people? Thirdly, we are to follow Jesus. Luke 9 is slightly different because when Luke wrote about following Christ. He says this, 
If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and daily follow me. A very small word, but a very powerful word. It's that whole idea that our Christian life is not just here on a Sunday morning, but it's every day of the week when we are following Christ. Every day we should be seek to follow him. Uh, there's a little quote here from William Barclay, which I absolutely love. It says this. It will be possible to be a follower of Jesus. Sorry, is it possible to be a follower of Jesus without being a disciple? To be a camp follower without being soldier of the king? To be a hanger-on to some great work without pulling one's weight? Once somebody was talking to a great scholar about a young man. He said, so-and-so tells me that he was one of your students. The teacher answered devastatingly, he may have attended my lectures, but he was not one of my students. There's a world of difference between attending lectures and being a student. It is one of the supreme handicaps of the church, that in the church there are so many distant followers of Jesus and so few real disciples. Wow. If we were to talk about our lives to other people, would they recognise that we are a disciple of Christ? When he talks about deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Does my life reflect that? Or am I a bit like the William Barclay said, you know, am I like someone who attends a lecture but is not really a student? What does it mean to follow Jesus? I think it means firstly that we have a relationship with him. We hear his voice. We hear his call. We follow the direction he wants us to go in. And I think the second thing is that we emulate his life. That when we follow Christ, people can see Christ in us through the way we live. It's about how we live our relationships, how we spend our time, how we use our money, the kind of things we say, the places we go, the things we watch. Because ultimately, God invites us to a great adventure. I had a phone call on, um, I think it was uh, Friday morning. Um, I said, my son phoned me and said, do you want to come on an adventure, Dad? I was in bed at 8 o'clock in the morning thinking, do I? I love being with my son. So I said, yes, son, what are we doing? He says, oh, I'll come and pick you up. And with Jake, it's always, he always wants something. So he said, he arrived. I said, well, what are we doing? Where are we going? He says, I've just bought a car. We're going to need, we need to go and pick it up. So we went off to Oxford and picked up this car. And um, yeah. I had about an hour with him in the car, but the rest of the time I was driving home in this ropey old seat. Sorry if you've got to see it. But it was an adventure. And I think Jesus calls us to an adventure. You know, and we can talk about how hard it is to deny ourselves, how hard it is to pick up our cross and follow him. But actually, isn't, it, isn't being a Christian an adventure? Having the opportunity to live for God and to show God's love and, and to share that with people. And to know that God is working through us and in us. And the changes that that can bring about. We don't know about that conversation that Mark had with Colin, do we? But it may be that conversation brought him back 
in terms of his faith and his relationship with God. You don't know what's going to happen when you pray for people. We don't know what's going to happen with Olivia, do we? But we're here together praying, and God is calling us to an adventure with him. And we can see either as something, oh, this is going to be terrible, or this is something very, very exciting that God wants us to be involved in. I, I love this. I found this on the internet. It says this. Oh, I've lost it. There was a, an epitaph written on this guy's grave. It says this. He was born a man and died a grocer. What an epitaph, eh? Born a man, died a grocer. I wonder what your epitaph's going to say. What would it say? Born a man, died a follower of Jesus. Born a woman, became a woman of God, godly woman and a woman of faith. Because one day people will talk about us when we die. I wonder what kind of things they would say about you and about I. Because we like comfort, but Jesus is not calling us to comfort. He is calling us to adventure. To deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and follow him. Uh, every time I come to church, I drove past, drive past the Methodist church in uh, Kempshot Lane, which is now shut. Which I find very sad. But the church is now, it's now a, a dance studio, which I think blesses the Spears family because Neve dances. But as a church, it no longer operates. And I think it's very sad because when you think about the origins of the Methodist church, there was a guy called John Wesley. And he wrote what was called a covenant prayer. And I think to myself, if the Methodist church had truly grasped this, they truly got hold of this and lived it out, that church wouldn't be empty. It wouldn't be shut. It would be alive and it would be vibrant. John Wesley wrote, and this is a prayer apparently the Methodists say every year. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whoever you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. And now, Father, you are mine. And I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people who will live that out. Not just say it, but live it out daily. People who deny themselves who will pick up their cross and follow Jesus. And Jesus said, before he said that, he said, if anyone, which includes you and me,
And it is an invitation. And it's an invitation we receive. And with any invitation, there's always two answers, aren't there? Yes. And no. You may say, well, there's always maybe, isn't there? Because some of us don't like to make a decision too rashly, do we? But ultimately, a maybe is a no. I challenge you today. Jesus said, if anyone, what is your response? Yes. Is this your response to the call of Jesus? I hope and pray it is. Because he calls us to the greatest adventure that we would ever know. Amen. Let's stand up, shall we? If I could leave that up there, Maggie. I wonder if you're ready to say this. I'm not turning you into Methodists, promise. They're very challenging words. Maybe this morning you want to say those words. You want to make your commitment to God once again to say, yes, I will do this. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to lead us as we say this. And if you want to join in, please do so. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whoever you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. And now, Father, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Father God, we do thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he took that journey. 600 yards bearing his cross. And he did it for us. And Lord, as we choose to follow you, help us, Lord, to make you our focus and our priority. To, to deny ourselves things that we might follow you. Help us, Lord, to pick up our cross, whatever that means. Whatever we have to bear, Lord, help us to carry it. Help us to share it with others too. Share why we're doing it and show why we're doing it. And lastly, Lord, help us to follow Jesus, to walk in his footsteps, but to walk a life that was like his, of love, of hope and sacrifice. And Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.